everyone. Welcome to Right On Radio. My name is Jeff. I haven't done a live on Podbean since November 18th, and I figured it was about time to do so. Uh, if you could just let me know how my mic sounds in the chat. It looks like it's maybe a little bit hot. If you could let me know if it sounds okay. I've got something really, really great for you today. Uh, thank you very much, Watching Wall. I got it. I had a message come in uh, to me, and it's from someone who goes by the initials SB. And I don't want your mind to go there. This is a, a male name, not the other SB that might be well known to the Right On Radio audience. Uh, this is truly brilliant, and what a great way to start a new year. Uh, if you didn't catch the uh, episode I did on New Year's Eve, uh, not as many of you have, and I understand why it was New Year's Eve and everything else. However, I think it was one of the better uh, episodes I've done. I'm going to repost it, I think, again tomorrow, just to give you the inside scoop, because I think it was uh, really inspired. Hey, thank you so much, Katie, for that gift. I appreciate it. Um, however, this one goes right along with that and the proverbs that are now coming out every day on Podbean. So uh, the Podbean audience is going to be really, really blessed by this particular essay. So I'm just going to be reading essentially what uh, someone has sent to me. It's very, very complete, and uh, I think it's very eye-opening as well. So without further ado, let me begin. And Jesus answered them, saying, Have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore, I say to you, all things in which you pray for and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted to you. That's from Mark 11, verses 22 to 24. Given these statements by Jesus, it is impossible not to question why it is so difficult for many of God's people to pray. After all, wouldn't we be rushing to the prayer room every day if we truly believed these passages of Scripture? Wouldn't prayer be the core of who we are? What if you had a billionaire friend who told you, whenever you have need, call me, it'll be yours. Don't you think you might occasionally call that number? However, the very creator of the cosmos says, anything in your way that is impeding me from working on your behalf shall be removed. If you pray and have faith, I will grant you all you ask for. Now, I'm not sure about you, but I want to cross the finish line in prayer. Over the years, I've witnessed the results of prayer in copious amounts, but I never want to reach the point where I feel as though I've gotten enough. I'd be a fool to stop praying and start relying on something other than the words that come directly 
from the heart of God. If God has more his life for me and more ways than mine, he might glorify himself through me. So, why is prayer so challenging? The devil obviously opposes prayer because prayer has produced miraculous results throughout the scriptures, including the conception of children and barren wombs, the strengthening of the elderly, and abundance of the supernatural. It stands to reason that Satan will resist us whenever we choose to pray. Is it possible we are also hampered by something in our own emotions, though? And in this, we know that we are from out of the truth, and we will persuade our hearts before him. Because if our heart should condemn us, that God is greater than our heart and knows all things, 1 John 3, 19-20, our own heart condemning us is the reason many people, in my opinion, find it difficult to pray since they frequently feel guilty. Consider how challenging it would be to visit a friend who consistently accentuated your flaws and ridiculed your best efforts, despite the fact you entered the room feeling upbeat. Your mood soon became depressed and sorrowful as the friend began criticizing everything you were doing incorrectly. It goes without saying that I was one, the one who constantly condemning myself, yet we sometimes incorrectly attribute such thoughts to God. As a result, we approach the prayer room just the way Peter did in Acts 10. According to the Bible, Peter climbed a rooftop, and as he started to pray, a sheet containing various unclean birds, animals, and insects was thrown down by its four corners. This is exactly how our prayer life may be. As soon as we enter that private space and kneel to pray, a sheet carrying all of our flaws, faults, challenges, and weakness falls. This may sound familiar to you. You start to think about all the mistakes you made and all the areas where you fell short as a Christian, as if they are the only things God is aware of. But take note of the Lord's command to Peter. Rise, Peter, kill and eat, Acts 10, verse 13. Otherwise, put, don't starve, Peter. During this period of revelation, I am providing you, fortify yourself because of the extreme uncleanness of the area. Peter said, no, I can't do it. And similar to this, many people struggle to lay hold of God's promises and develop and grow in grace because they are constantly aware of their own uncleanness. What God has cleansed, do not call common. The Lord told Peter, Acts 10 verse 15, when we enter the prayer room, we must recognize that the blood of Jesus Christ has washed away all of our sins, and we are no longer to refer to ourselves as unclean. According to the Bible, we are God's righteousness in Christ, 
In other words, if we weren't stated in the Bible, it nearly seems blasphemous to say that we are not pure as gold. What do you think so far? Am I getting a thumbs up? Ah, thank you kindly. I give God thanks for the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. I give thanks to God that I don't have to be physically powerful to enter the prayer room. In fact, the book of Hebrews informs me that it is my time of need that I should approach God's throne. I should confidently approach God's throne of grace when I need courage, guidance, empowerment, and assistance, Hebrews 4.16. We have an open invitation from our Heavenly Father to enter his presence as his children. Keep in mind that Paul the Apostle advised, be careful for nothing, to put it another way, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Do not let yourself or the enemy drag you down, Philippians 4 verse 6. If we don't think we have already been clothed by God with the righteousness of Christ, how can we enter the prayer room with thanksgiving? We must be persuaded that God delights in making his son's life manifested in us and providing for our needs so that we, we may represent him on earth. The secret to praying with thanksgiving is to do that. When one asks amiss, this is another reason we can find it challenging to pray. When our aspirations conflict with what God wants for us, you don't have because you don't ask. You ask in error so that you can indulge in your lusts. You don't receive what you need, James 4, 2, verse 3. We are the only ones left on earth to praise the Son and to spread the love of God, the same love that he sent his Son to the cross. Christ purchased salvation, but it is up to us to continually be strengthened by the inner man manifesting the reality of that redemption, the reality of enabling the power of the Holy Spirit. However, if we allow the enemy to occupy the attention of our mind, we ask the wrong questions, and then we wonder why our prayers go unanswered. Consider for a moment what can happen when we pray according to God's will. In the book of Acts, when 120 people left the upper room, God had given them the strength they had longed for, a supernatural strength that moved mountains of doubt and dread. They simply broke into the marketplace among those who still had the blood of rage towards followers of Christ on their lips. A group of 120 mostly uneducated and ignorant people, however, the presence of God and boldness were present in these disciples. 
megaleos in the original language denotes that we were discussing the forthcoming results of God's work in the inner man. They were discussing what God would do, what he had given them, and the enduring faith that resides in our hearts. When the pious religious leaders saw this, they simply remarked, Wow, nothing like that has ever been provided to us by our faith. How are we to be saved? Or look at the incident in Genesis 24, where Abraham instructed his servant to return to his native land and find a wife for his son Isaac. Lord, if you have prospered my journey, and if you're going to be favorable to my master, guide me to the bride for his son. The servant prayed as he traveled to the homeland of Abraham's ancestors. Genesis 24, verses 12 to 14. According to the scriptures, Rebekah reportedly left with her pitcher on her shoulder before he was finished speaking. Genesis 24, 15. The servant did not even know where Abraham's family was. He had come a great way, was in a great place amid, amid many strangers in a foreign land. But while he prayed, the miracle started to unfold. I praise God that Abraham's servant was not a strategist or a schemer or a clever brother that takes out his own blueprints and maps trying to figure it out. I'm grateful that there weren't any phone books, Google searches, or cell phones around. He just did what any brother should have done in that generation. He prayed. As soon as he prayed, God started answering it in a sovereign way. Jacob, the Israeli patriarchs, and finally the Son of God himself were all descended from Rebekah by the grafting of her into the genealogy of Jesus Christ. What an amazing outcome we observe when we don't ask amiss. There may be occasionally, or there may occasionally be a fear of what God might expect or ask of us. Many times we are unable to pray because we are unwilling to take the possible road that may present itself before us. This is the way. Walk in it. We worry that God will ask us to give up something or go somewhere that in our own strength or frailty we are not ready for. Acts 8 describes a brother by the name of Philip who had a wonderful ministry of, in Samaria. Even the original apostles had taken notice of his ministry as thousands were being saved and cured. However, Philip was urged to leave what most people would consider security, success, possibly occurring while he was in prayer. As the subsequent verses of Peter and John's interactions with the brethren indicate, there was a lot of it taking place initiating God's sovereign hand to move according to his will and name being glorified. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Rise up and go according to the south upon the way which is going down 
from Jerusalem into Gaza. This is desert. Uh, Acts 8, verse 26. God was calling Philip from a massive manifestation of the glory of God to a desert place. You and I have ideas about our life, should be what success looks like. Because of this, we are reluctant to enter the prayer room out of fear that God might ask us to do something that is not in our plans or what we want to hear. Due to this, many members of some churches today are merely utilizing Jesus Christ to accomplish their own goals and agendas when in reality they are standing in direct opposition to God's desire and it is nothing less than rebellion. Philip decided to go to the wilderness in obedience to God and left Samaria. He witnessed a miracle there, the conversion of an influential man from Ethiopia to the faith in Jesus Christ. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord seized Philip and he did not see him any longer. For the eunuch was going his way rejoicing. Acts 8, 38-39. The Bible claims that Philip was translated by the Spirit of God following his baptism of this Ethiopian eunuch. He was later transferred by the Lord to a different city, some 30 miles distant. In reality, obedience to leave behind what we perceive as a success is what enables the Spirit to give us a glimpse and a taste of the supernatural. Of course, that does not imply that we cons instantly comprehend everything once we have a willingness to obey. God merely commands us to make the first act of faith-based obedience. The gospel, the first account we have of the gospel of Jesus Christ, was spread throughout northern Africa thanks to Brother Philip's obedience. We have the right to enter the prayer closet and say, Lord, help me, I need this. And we suddenly witness the miracles start to take place as we walk in obedience to God's will and as our goals are in harmony with his. The same concept can be found in the account of a disciple by the name of Ananias. Ananias. Later in the book of Acts, one day as Ananias was praying and the Lord said to him, after having risen up to go upon the street, which has been called straight, and the seek the house of Judas, a Tarsinian, Saul by name, for behold, he is saying, and he saw in a vision man, Ananias by the name, so that after having entered, and having placed his hand upon him, he might receive his sight again. Acts 9, 11-12. In essence, Ananias said, Lord, is this the same Saul who caused your people in Jerusalem such harm? 
I've heard that he has permission from the priests to imprison everyone who invokes your name. And you're asking me to go and touch him right now? Ananias, however, carried out the command that he had received through prayer. Scales began to fall from Paul's eyes as he prayed for him. And shortly after that, he started to go out and preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Christ. You and I praise God for Ananias' submission because as Gentiles, 2,000 years later, we are fruit of the Apostle Paul's ministry. What if he had not listened to God? What if he hadn't entered the secret place of the Most High and put everything that threatened his safety and security out of his mind? I find it indescribably inspiring to consider the tremendous explosive power that is at our disposal if we have the guts and backbone to go to prayer and ask, Lord, here I am. What would you have me do? Then have a heart that is eager to comply with anything God requires of us. Ah, I was just moved by that. <laughs> Woo! It is normally taken out of context, but it is true. Speak to the mountain, Mark 11, verse 22. A fig tree that appeared to be fruitful, but was in fact barren, was cursed by Jesus. It is a kind of religion and a kind of connection to God, but there is no life on it despite his search. The fig tree symbolizes everything inside of us that prevents the power and the strength of the Lord from being displayed through us to others. All that inhibits everything that does not reflect God's life. Everything that falls short of his glory. Remember that in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve used fig leaves to conceal themselves. In Christ, you and I have the authority to speak to this location in our hearts and declare, no longer will you rule me. No longer will you have dominion over me. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him, Mark eleven twenty three. The mountain serves as the soil, providing nourishment and having and heaven for organisms that do not reflect the character of God. Everything that encourages this helplessness and makes it possible for godlike impersonators to flourish in our lives is within our power to hurl into the sea. We can throw them away and trust that God will provide us with what we need so we can exalt and glorify his precious name on earth. In other words, the mountain is whatever your old carnal mind has told you is impossible. 
Whatever your heart tells you will never change. And whatever your fear is, you must stand there and declare, I accept what the word of the Lord says. I do not believe the lie of deception. I command this mountain to be thrown away from me today and planted in the middle of the sea in the name of Jesus Christ. It is time to put our trust in God and let his spirit persuade our hearts to believe the report of the Lord. Now is the time to pray and wait for the Lord to act. What a time it is to arouse from our slumbering and our self-pity and loathing and be the city on the hill once more. What a time to enter the secret place of the God Most High, boldly, in spite of our frailties, and emerge with God's strength. What a time to have a sound mind, a pure heart, a new outlook on the future, a fresh vigor that only comes from God. What a time to be armed with divine power. Whether you agree or disagree with me, I don't want to go down the same old path of evil and disobedience to God. The obliteration of our homes, thoughts, families, communities, and civility this year. You and I should be exhausted of this route by now. The Bible says that if we humble ourselves, pray, and seek the face of God, he will speak to us from heaven, pardon our sins, heal our land. It will certainly be a joyous new year if we turn away from what God declared is wicked in us and receive his supernatural healing by the inner man. This year, let's approach God's throne and press forward until we receive the response we seek according to his will. Thank God that he will answer our prayers and give us courage as we come to him in confidence. He will let his word come out of our mouths. He will defeat our adversaries. Give us supernatural gifts for the body that we lack naturally and equip us with the means to face the times we are currently experiencing. You and I are going to finish the race in prayer and have a new song in our hearts for all of eternity. When someone asks a question, respond with an explanation. In the event that somebody wants to fight, raise the issue with a question. People frequently ask questions to determine your position rather than to get an answer. They don't want the truth. They just want to be exposed. That is what Jesus had to deal with four times. Matthew 9, 14 to 15, 15, 1 to 3. Mark 2, 1 through 11, and Mark 4, 10 through verse 13. 
in order to determine whose side he was on, the devout and pious were asking questions rather than seeking a true answer. These kinds of inquiries have been posed to preachers for years. Like Jesus, whenever they are questioned, they are enticed and lured into a trap by giving an answer, ultimately getting into trouble. And some leaders in the church have misjudged the situation and assumed that these folks needed an explanation, which wasn't the case at all. As opposed to act, act like Jesus did, take a cue from Jesus and reply with a question the next time someone asks you a question of this nature. Hallelujah to the Lamb, the God who was slain. This last part of this, and that was the end of the essay, the very last part of it was very wise because people are constantly trying to shoot down our faith by asking questions, and they really don't want the answers. And if we want to really have the confidence inside of ourselves, we need to stop falling into these traps. But man, this was a really, I, I hope you found it as powerful as I did, everyone. Um, I was really moved by this in, in a couple spots of it. Praise the Lord. Thank you to everyone who is uh, here with me today. Thank you to each one of you. If you found this is powerful, please share it out on your social media. And uh, I'm sure someone will be blessed by it. But in the meantime, remember, love your God, love your family, love your neighbor as yourself, and make a difference in your community. Right on, right on, right on. Right, right on, on radio. radio. Right, right on, on radio. radio. Who's right? Who's right? right. He's right. right.